Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Got a holiday edition of the show coming up, obviously with Christmas coming on Tuesday. Uh, interesting day in the Premier League uh, today as a Manchester City falls to a Crystal Palace side. That was definitely game. So now we have Liverpool on top of the standings with a four-point lead over Manchester City. Now... I still think it's way too early to really make any proclamations about uh, the actual Premier League season because we haven't gone through the holiday period. The holiday period where you've got four games in three weeks, what it amounts to, it, you know, it's nothing short of crazy uh, that the Premier League uh, does this when no other sports league in the world actually does this in terms of soccer matchups. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the standings, uh, you've got Liverpool on top of 48 points. Uh, Man City still at 44. Tottenham can actually join the group uh, with a win tomorrow over Everton, which I would be utterly shocked that uh, Tottenham doesn't blow the doors off of Everton because that Everton squad, to me, plays way too loose. I I I just think that it's a terrible matchup for them in general playing Spurs but we'll see how it goes because you know Spurs could easily lay an egg but I I just don't see it happening with uh, Mauricio Pochettino at the helm knowing what's at stake and seeing how the top of the table is shifting I I think Spurs puts on a great performance now the big news in the Premier League uh, this week was the sacking, finally, of Jose Mourinho from Manchester United. Mourinho, in the typical uh, Moo three-year curse, you know, everything's usually rosy for the most part in year one. Wasn't so much with Manchester United. It didn't win a title, but, you know, Mourinho usually wins the title in year two. Last year, United was a distant second, and Mourinho pouted the entire season I talked about this at length uh you know prior like throughout points of last year of how Mourinho basically just 
degrades everyone he's around when he's not happy. His only ability is to tear people down if he's not happy. You know, Jose Mourinho was once one of the greatest minds in professional soccer slash football, whatever you want to term it as. But the end of the story is that Mourinho focused on was. The tactical genius he once had is no longer there. His primary goal is to troll other managers because basically what he does now is just simply limit space. He doesn't really have offensive creativity to create uh, like advantages for his squad. So he doesn't really have a way to pressure guys up the middle and just overload you with numbers. Like his end-all be-all is just to sit back, park the bus, and wait for a counterattack. And that's it. You know, that's what this uh, this uh, Mourinho formula of the last six years has been. So as things uh, completely devolved at Chelsea, you know, you heard all the excuses. But at the end of the day, Mourinho just burnt himself out there again. And sure enough, here in Manchester United, uh, you know, it wasn't going well. He was unhappy. He didn't like the transfers, even though he spent a boatload of money on a bunch of players that weren't center backs. He's still complaining about his center backs. Never figured out how to uh, utilize uh, Martial and Rashford. Basically, Manchester United has squandered an entire generation of talent over the past four years because between Mourinho and Louis van Gaal before him, they really did not figure out who their young stars were going to be moving forward in the future. And now you got a spot where do you sell off your young players? Do you try to make it another go for a different manager to, to make things work? You know, it, it's a complete mess. And I talked about this before where this was an unhappy marriage that was going to end in divorce at some point. It's just that Mourinho forced Manchester United's hand by basically bad-mouthing them in public after uh, getting thrashed by Liverpool. United basically had no uh, choice but to fire them. Uh, you know, at, at a certain point, self-respect has to come into play there, and you, you can't you can only put up with so much. So Mourinho forced their hand by denigrating them as much as he did in public. But the truth of the matter is, United have no plan. I mean, United has hired Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Soskaya, uh from Sweden and <laughs> the Swedish leagues. Uh, previously, he was the manager of Cardiff City a couple of years back uh, when Cardiff was at risk of going down in relegation. And yeah, they still end up going down in relegation. I don't think that's really a fault of his as a manager. I just think that Cardiff squad was had nothing of redeemable qualities. So why hire him? Because he's a fan favorite with United fans. You know, he's a nice enough guy. He's not going to make waves in press conferences. You know, he's a caretaker. He's got nothing to lose. I mean, the the Swedish leagues, I mean, that season has concluded essentially. So it doesn't start back up again for quite some time. So, you know, basically he can, you know, write out this season with United and it goes right back to Sweden uh, without actually uh, missing a beat. So, like, he's got he's got nothing to lose. Uh, 
you know, and at the end of the day, it's just like house money for him. If you're United, though, you got a January transfer window where you got to figure out what your squad's going to be. Again, I talked about Martial. I talked about Rashford. You got unhappy players that haven't been getting playing time. What are you going to do with Juan Mata? What are you going to do with a collection of players that don't fit? I mean, Darmian, Biali, like, like, actually, maybe they did sell out Darmian. I got to check again. I mean, again, there there are so many guys on this United squad that were brought in by Ed Woodward and Jose Mourinho that don't really feature at all. And, you know, there's the whole Pogba situation, which, again, what are you going to do with him? Uh, Because, you know, clearly unhappy, clearly not playing up to any sort of potential. And while I still said that, uh, you know, Pogba's one of the most overrated players in the world, you know, what are you going to get for him right now? You're selling for cents on the dollar. It, it doesn't it doesn't behoove Manchester United to make that major move with a guy like Pogba, even if he's trying to force their hand out of United, which, again, the reports are always conflicting when it comes to Pogba. But, you know, at the end of the day, United's got to make some serious decisions and... The focus of United seems to be the fact that they want to go after Mauricio Pochettino at uh, Tottenham. Now, the only way United can lure a guy like Pochettino to United is the fact that they have to overpay him. They have to pay him even more than Pep. Pochettino just signed a a five-year contract extension at Spurs, which, again, doesn't really mean all that much considering how much cash-strapped Spurs is. You know, he's still not one of the... I mean, yeah, technically he's uh, a higher-paid manager in the Premier League, but there are far higher-payer managers that aren't nearly as qualified as Pochettino. You know, the fact of the matter is is that Pochettino, at the end of the year, could easily take that Real Madrid job, uh, you know, there's an, and go to La Liga, where there's far less... Yeah, there's pressure, but in terms of the strain of managing and having to deal with... Uh, uh, the actual day-to-day affairs of uh, uh, tr- trying to compete with a very uh, uh, wide depth of the Premier League where week after week you're you're trying to manage injuries, you're trying to manage the weather, you're trying to get ready for cup competitions versus La Liga where really it's three teams and a bunch of other also-rants. Like legitimately, th- there are teams that in La Liga – you should be smoking every single week. It shouldn't be competitive contests. So, again, I say this, uh, the preference of the fact that Manchester United is behind the eight ball because, again, the job is not as pristine as it was always conveyed to be after Sir Alex retired. Uh, and I keep saying this. You know, you never want to be the guy after the guy. Now we're through... Wait, wait. Hold on. Let me make sure. Yeah, we're three guys removed from the guy. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you, 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 get, you can only go so far uh, with uh, what's, uh, uh, what's been going on at Manchester United. You know, in terms of the actual day-to-day affairs at the club, you know, it's a mess. And, you know, until they can figure out what their identity is going to be moving forward... You know they could try to outpay other uh, outpay teams for other managers, but you know 
there's got to be some kind of vision for the club, and I, for one, don't see it. So, uh, Solskjaer uh, can win this debut matchup against Cardiff City. It's not going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I would still say that United should roll Cardiff City today, but, you know, uh, just because the players should get that little dead cat bounce from a manager change. But at the end of the day, it's not really going to mean a whole lot of, uh, uh, in a, in the grand scheme of things until United figure out uh, what their game plan is for the next three years, basically. You know, Arsenal's already started this process uh, you know, I you know I already know that this is not the squad Unai Emery's going to be going with for the next two years because he's already talked about the defense. He knows what needs to be done. United has even more rebuilding work to get done. So you know, United the, the title race was long over uh, again. Like Mourinho, like drove this bus into a ditch like about two months ago. So. Uh, there, there, there was no chance that United was competing for anything this year. But at the same time, if they don't figure out this January transfer window and figure it out fast, they could easily be in a four-year rebuild period uh, in order to get the academy squared away. Because again, their best academy recruits are already in the squ- uh, are already technically on the squad right now. Uh, this is like supposedly their best generation in. In at least a decade. So, again, if you miss here, you know, it doesn't bode well for the future because what academy recruit? Yeah, it's Manchester United, but like, if you're thinking in the grand scheme of things, you're starting to think, why wouldn't I just go to Manchester City that has the best coach in the world uh, in Pep Guardiola and world class facilities? Like, yes, I, I, I get it. Like, you want to be in Manchester United. Fan, if you're a supporter, but if City comes calling, you know it'd be ridiculous to turn them down just because you, of your hometown affiliation. So, again, I, I, I'll leave it there because uh, we need to get into some NFL talk here because we got a Saturday slate of games. Uh, one that's really ugly to look at, but we got to talk about it. Uh, so we're gonna get into the guess spread picks. We'll figure out what to do with DFS. We'll figure out what to do with regular fantasy uh, because, again, it's a fantasy uh, playoffs uh, final. So, like, uh, for most leagues, this is the Super Bowl weekend. And, you know, I got a lot of question marks on certain players. So, uh, we're, we're, we're going to uh, get into that as well. So, uh, without much further ado, let's start talking about the first game of Week 16 in the NFL season. That being Tennessee hosting Washington. So, Washington, again, on their four-string QB with uh, Josh Johnson taking the helm uh, for Washington. And, you know, I really have nothing worthwhile to say about Josh Johnson except for the fact that he's still better than Mark Sanchez. I mean, the Mark Sanchez signing will for ever go down as just the blown opportunity. And that's where Washington lost their season. The fact that the veteran players are clamoring for a QB, you know Colin Kaepernick's out there. I'm, and I'm not saying sign Colin Kaepernick, because Kaepernick's a whole nother matter. Uh, even from the social aspect, just from a football playing standpoint of not playing, you know, it was always going to be an issue. The fact that you picked up Mark Sanchez, who can't play anymore, 
legitimately can't play and was comfortable just cashing a paycheck, not actually playing, that's where you lost the entire locker room because no one respected the guy. Period. There's there's nothing redeemable you can say about Mark Sanchez as an NFL QB. I mean, literally, the only thing you could say is that he managed to stick around in the league long enough to make more money than Matt Leinart. That's about it that you can say for Sanchez. But, with that being said, I do not trust Marcus Mariota one iota. A, way too inconsistent throwing the football. If you watched that game last week against the Giants, it was more the fact that the Giants players did not want to actually be outside in the rain tackling Derrick Henry than anything Marcus Mariota did in, in the entirety of that game. There was nothing from the uh, Titans passing game that gave me any pause of consideration as to consider this a legitimate playoff team. And yes, the Titans still have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs due to the fact that uh, with the uh, weak schedule that they had, uh, they only have six losses. So technically, they were on the table and they could beat Washington and uh, take care of business against Indy. They're in the playoffs. I don't see it happening, but, you know, I at least have to consider the possibility. But the, the simple fact of the matter is the biggest hindrance to this Tennessee squad is Mariota himself. Not consistent throwing the football. Hasn't been running all that much because he's been so banged up this year. Uh, he's dealt with stingers. He's dealt with uh, shoulder injuries. You know, you name it, like a foot injury. Like, he's had a ton of injuries this year. Uh, and I, I just... I look at Mariota, and I'm wondering if this is just what he's going to be, an injury-prone QB who can't stay healthy because if this is all he can bring to the table, Tennessee's going to have to draft a QB uh, next year, at least to give Mariota some competition. Like, they got to figure this out because they have a great offensive line that's young. They have players in uh, in uh, free agency paces uh, that can play on offense. The defense still has some young players. It could be better, but, you know, it's not the absolute worst in the world. Tennessee has a squad that could make the playoffs if they had an average quarterback. And right now, uh, Mariota's a below-average quarterback. There, There's no nice way of spinning this. Like, he's a bust. So, again, maybe Mariota shows some signs where, uh, you know, he has those flashes, but, you know, I, if you if we're being honest with ourselves, like Baker Mayfield in year one has already surpassed what Marcus Mariota can do, and in this league where defense has been outlawed as of 2018, like Mariota should be a lot better than where he is right now. It, it, it it's and I like I don't want to crush the guy because he's a nice enough guy. It's like you know says all the right things, like uh, accountable to his teammates, but. You know, the production is is not there, even when he's healthy. And he's always one hit away, it seems, to being injured again. So, with that being said, I see this line at 10.5, and and I'm scratching my head because I know that Washington is not good. I know Josh Johnson is a below-average QB. But if you can just competently run the offense, Washington should still be in a position where they can cover a ten and a half spread. I mean, are they go- are they going to win this game? I mean, stranger things have happened, but I-, I don't see I don't see Washington winning this game. 
Uh, but I could see Tennessee losing this game and just giving it to Washington with bad turnovers. I could easily see that happening. Uh, so when I see a 10.5 spread for a team that, again, while they're home, they're not exactly uh, world beaters, I just look at this Tennessee squad and I got to say, I got to take Washington in the points here. You know, 10.5 is way too big of a line uh, to be seriously considering Tennessee. So I'm going to go with Washington here. Moving on, we've got in the nightcap, Baltimore traveling to San Diego. Jeez, ah, I did it. It's a traveling to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Oh, man. The plane in Carson, California. It's not even Los Angeles, but whatever. Whatever. Um, he, he, uh, you got the Ravens playing the Chargers. You know, Chargers favored by four and a half. And, you know, by... The conceivable measures, Chargers have a very good offense, very good defense. Like, if you can easily make the case that the Chargers have the most well-rounded team in the entire NFL. Four and a half spread should not be that unreasonable uh, laying the points. Lamar Jackson, uh, quarterbacking for the Ravens, uh, not exactly a proficient pocket passer. Not nearly as bad as people keep saying he is. Yes, I know the Ravens are running the ball a ton, but that's the scheme they came up with because they're trying to maximize what Lamar Jackson does well. His shiftiness and elusiveness causes too many issues for teams. And because in the NFL, teams are so geeked up on getting ready for passing attacks that the Ravens are working the system to their advantage by just focusing strictly on a rushing quarterback. Uh, type of offense so yes you can call it wildcat offense but it's the read option and you know what Lamar Jackson's doing an excellent job with it uh you know Gus uh, Edwards has multiple running range uh, multiple running lanes because teams have to account for him so they're just gonna be going after whoever they think has the ball and that just creates a running lane so I look at this as a case where you know I'm taking the Chargers, but I have very serious concerns here because I could see a scenario where Baltimore grinds down the clock, the Chargers don't really get off the field because they're not a team that really forces a ton of turnovers. So I could see a case where Baltimore grinds down the clock and just makes this a very heavy position-ridden game where this ends up being like a 16-13 kind of game where, yeah, the Chargers win, but they don't cover. I, I could easily see that scenario happening. So I'm taking the Chargers for picks pools, but if I was betting this game outright, I'd avoid it completely. Uh, compared to the Washington-Tennessee game, I would bet money on Washington just because, again, I don't trust Tennessee. Not that I, I'm a big fan of Washington and Josh Johnson being a 10-year journeyman in the league. That's not the case. It's just that that line was way too big. This line for the Chargers... Has me a little skittish because I can easily see this being a field goal difference game with the Chargers winning. Now, can Baltimore get there and, and win this game outright? Yes, uh, yes, they can. I just don't see it happening. But I will say this. If Baltimore wins this game, it dramatically changes my perception of how the Steelers game goes with New Orleans. So stay tuned for that. But I, I have my thoughts on how, how this game goes. So, moving on, uh, we got Jacksonville playing Miami, Jacksonville trying to tank, Miami can't wait to get on their vacations, 
Uh, so this is a very tricky matchup because I would not touch this with 10-foot pole for betting purposes, but if you're in picks pools, you got to pick the game anyway. So uh, this is one where I have some trepidation because Miami's favored by four and a half, and it's because Jacksonville lost to Washington last week, and I think it's uh, just a stamp uh uh, standby product of how much dysfunction's been going on with Jacksonville that no one really wants to bet on them. But, you know, I'm probably leaning towards betting on the Jags here uh, if you twist my arm because of the fact that Miami has also shown that they don't really feel like being around here either. And Jacksonville has the better defense. You know, the Derrick Henry game where Henry just smashed uh, the Jags you know, the Titans had something to play for. Miami doesn't. I, I really don't like this spot for Miami. Uh, so I'm going to take the Jags. But realistically, I'm not betting on this game. So uh, let's just move on to my New York football Giants traveling to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Uh, Colts favored by 9.5, 10.5 some spots. Um, you know... This is a situation where I'm going to be betting on the Colts and fearing every last second of it because the Giants need to lose this game to make sure that they hold on to a top 10 uh, spot in the draft next year. They need to lose out to the Colts and they need to lose out to Dallas. This this needs to happen for the Giants because we, we desperately need another top 10 pick since we traded away Eli Apple, who was a bust. But we got we got to figure out some things just to get some draft picks in and actually trade down the picks uh, and, and get some draft capital. But you know, as it stands, the Giants. I could see a path for the Giants to cover this game, but it's only in the remote possibility that the Colts look past the Giants. By most measures, the Colts' run defense should be able to stop Saquon Barkley. And I know some of you are looking at this as being the fantasy football final and saying, I got to play Saquon Barkley. Yeah, you got to play him in regular fantasy. DFS, I'm not entirely sold on playing Saquon Barkley. He's one of the more expensive guys on the slate. And, you know, I don't like the matchup compared to a guy like Ezekiel Elliott playing a, a weak Tampa Bay defense or when you got Christian McCaffrey going up against one of the worst defenses in the league in Atlanta. I, I just look at the slate and I say that there should be better options than Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley has uh, a number of chances to fail. Now, on the flip side, for the Giants, the offensive line has played tremendously better since uh, Jamon Brown was signed off uh, waivers from the Rams. You know, the, the Giants can actually pass protect it somewhat definitely not a uh not even in the middle tier of offensive lines but the Giants have gone from a bottom three offensive line to being somewhere in the high 20s which again doesn't seem like that huge of a lead to certain folks but you know in terms of pass protection and uh just uh avoiding major hits it's a world of difference Eli Manning leads the league in sacks uh in getting sacked, but a lot of the damage was done early on in the season when the Giants were just literal turnstiles. They've gotten better at it, and so has Eli 
over the last couple of weeks, even though Odell Beckham Jr. has been out with injury uh, with uh, 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 with his groin issue, uh, you know, and a groin and quad issue. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Eli Manning is the solution to all the Giants' problems. They, you know, I always say this to folks that, you know, the folks that I keep crying for Eli to get uh, benched completely aren't looking at the fact that a lot of the issues going on with the Giants had to do with situations that were well beyond his control. So, with that being said, I would take the Colts, minus 9.5, but don't be surprised that the Giants uh, make this a competitive game and actually end up covering this uh, with the Colts having to like grab a lead, uh, lead or just salt away a lead late. So, I could easily see this being under a touchdown victory for the Colts. Uh just because of the Giants being difficult. But, you know, if the Giants roll over, then, you know, all the Eli bashers get exactly what they want with uh, Eli just getting the brunt of the blame. If Eli plays well, Eli will get the brunt of the blame anyway, but then it's just easier to nitpick as to how hysterical uh, Giants fans get by ignoring the absolute obvious that, you know, the issues with the Giants this year were, at best... 15% 15% of Eli's fault, maybe, maybe 20, but certainly not the bulk of grief Eli was getting earlier on in the year. That 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 should be reserved for the likes of Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, who put together that offensive line, and Pat Shermer, the new head coach, who failed to realize that this offensive line was absolute garbage in front of a talent like Saquon Barkley. Anyway, let's get on to another game that really has no meaning. Uh, you got the Falcons going to Carolina. Cam Newton's shut down for the year. You know, the original line was Carolina favored by three. It's flipped uh, completely to Atlanta being favored by three. I'm definitely putting uh, uh, a little bit of money on Atlanta this week uh, just because, you know, again, not sold on Carolina minus Cam. Yes, Christian McCaffrey should get a ton of volume and dump balls from Taylor Heineke, who's replacing Cam, but I don't really expect that much coming from uh, Carolina's offense outside of McCaffrey. Uh, plus, with McCaffrey playing 95% of snaps, it's not out of the realm possibility that McCaffrey finally gets a break this week. So, yeah, I, I, I like McCaffrey, but I'm not in love with him, wherein I'm playing him in 100% of my lineups. Uh, you know, regular fantasy, you got to roll with him. He got you to the dance. But uh, there's a chance that McCaffrey does not break out uh, this weekend. So, moving on. We've got the Pats playing host to the Bills. Pats laying 12.5 points. You know, in terms of this Buffalo squad, they play hard, but... Realistically, they don't have the answers to beat a squad like New England. The only thing Buffalo can do is make this game aggravating uh, for uh, the Pats by uh, uh, winding down the clock and essentially uh, playing keep away while having no shot of actually winning this game whatsoever. So uh, this is a game where I expect the Pats to win uh, by uh, double uh, figures. But this could be a 13-point win, a 14-point win, or, you know, if somehow Goskowski misses a kick, uh, 
uh, we failed to cover. You know, again, the Pats are winning by double digits, but I don't know with the lack of Josh Gordon now that he's failed yet another substance abuse test uh, and being indefinitely suspended by a league. I'm not sure if the Pats break 30 points in this game. And that's the telltale sign. If the Pats break 30, they are absolutely covering this spread. If they don't break 30, it becomes a very tricky situation. So I'm not entirely sold on which way this game's going to go. Moving on to a game I was hoping I was not going to have to cover. We got the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Foles hosting the Houston Texans. You know, for those of you who have listened to the podcast uh, over the last few, over the past year, you know my stance on Nick Foles. He is a very marginal QB with a limited skill set that benefited from Bill Belichick prioritizing his ego over actually just winning the Super Bowl and found himself in a position to actually become one of the worst QBs to ever win a Super Bowl. I don't trust Nick Foles at all as a QB. I keep getting this question if uh, people should bench uh, Jared Goff or Tom Brady because they're in the fantasy football finals in favor of getting Nick Foles off of waivers. I will say this as plainly as I can. Yes, there's a chance Nick Foles can actually play well against the Houston Texans. But no, the bust potential between Nick Foles and Jared Goff and Tom Brady is significantly higher than those other two players combined. You know, I wouldn't be, I would be negligent to suggest that you should play Nick Foles as a waiver wire pickup against a good Houston Texans defense, on paper, at least, on paper, I'll get to that in a second, over Jared Goff, who was a potential MVP candidate for the first seven weeks of the year, and Tom Brady, who should always be considered a potential MVP candidate. Nick Foles is not a very good QB. At best, he's average. Realistically, I think Nick Foles is still worse than Alex Smith. But at the end of the day, you know, he's got a chance to actually do well in this contest. And I'll tell you why. If you're looking at the Houston Texans, they've got a stranglehold on the division. They're not going to get caught. The uh, truth, uh, I mean, unless the Colts uh, uh, run the table and Houston loses out, the Houston's winning the division. So, again, you know, I don't really see... Uh, a case where Houston has a whole lot to play for. So that's always troubling because you can always get one of those clunker games. Now, I don't trust Houston's coach. I don't trust Bill O'Brien. And I don't really trust their defense all that much because the, their defense looks good on paper. But again, as I said, they have their moments where you're looking at them side eyes and wondering what's going on here because they should be better than what their record shows them to be. Again, I say this because looking at Houston enough times throughout the last couple of years, they should be better than what the actual numbers bear out, considering who they have. And that's with a healthy J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. They should be better, but they're not. And I, I, I just, again, go back to the fact that 
sometimes there are certain teams that are pretenders than actual contenders. And, you know, as much as I like Deshaun Watson, Houston comes across as a perennial pretender. So, while I do think that Deshaun Watson will have a tremendous day against the Eagles secondary, which is burnt so many times that it's literally charcoal at this point. You know, I think that there is a way, because the Eagles, who cannot run the football to save their lives, that Nick Foles can actually put up enough garbage points, a la Blake Bortles, to actually be a productive fantasy QB today. And, you know, if for some reason that there's a fluke play, you know, being on the road, there's a chance Philly somehow wins this game over Houston. Uh, You know, I'm staying away from it just because I don't trust Houston at all. Again, because I consider them a perennial pretender more than anything else. I, I would just say, you know, again, Nick Foles can easily bust here. It would... It would be far more likely for him to bust out and just score under five points than it is for him to break past 20 points. Again, I'm just saying, you know, if you guys want to risk your fantasy football championships on Nick Foles, so be it. I'm in a spot where, yeah, I could play Nick Foles over Jared Goff, but you know what? I I would rather just take uh, take someone that got me here in the first place, then take a flyer on someone that I know is not very good. I I just do not recommend Nick Foles at all, but there's always a chance Philly wins this game at home uh, to to continue this ridiculous narrative that uh, Nick Foles is the better option at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. If I see that headline one more time, because I already saw ESPN try to trumpet that headline, and try to posit this story that the Eagles are better off with Nick Foles than Carson Wentz. It's the dumbest thing imaginable. If 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 the Eagles were actually dumb enough to believe that, I would I would in a heartbeat put in a, 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 a trade request with uh, the Eagles to trade Odell to the Eagles for Carson Wentz. Heartbeat. No, no, there wouldn't even be a doubt about that. But anyway, I'm going to keep moving forward uh, just because uh, I'm tired of talking about the Eagles. Uh, let, uh, let's get to the Jets hosting Green Bay. Uh, Jets were favored. Now the line looks as though Green Bay's favored by a point. You know, neither seems to have much to play for. Uh, Sam Darnold should have his best game of the year. I'll say that much. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are legitimately terrible on defense. Darnold should have a good day in the office, even though I can't think of a single person outside of Robbie Anderson uh, and Chris Herndon that would have any redeeming fantasy relevance on this squad. Uh, Yes, uh, some folks are playing Elijah McGuire in their fantasy football finals at running back because of James Conner being out. I get that. I I totally get that. If, uh, you know, you got Conner hurt, you're playing uh, McGuire, because you or you you got a, a Matt Breida who's always hurt, uh, but you know, outside of that, you know, you got Tevin Coleman, you've got uh, Tariq Cohen. Uh, there there are enough guys like uh, that. You know, again, you're not messing around with Jets players. Uh, Green Bay can win this game. 
Will they win it, though? I have no idea. You know, this Green Bay team is so hard to figure out. Uh, The big story this week was Devontae Adams realizing that he has a chance to break the Packers' receiving touchdown record for a season. So he was asking for Aaron Rodgers to remember that he has a chance to break the Packers' receiving touchdown record. Uh, the, the, The Packers are just stat padding at this point because... Rodgers is already injured with the groin. He really shouldn't be playing, but I guess he will. You know, I don't really have anything positive to say about this game other than, you know, the the Jets are the Jets and the Packers are the Packers. Like, maybe this will be an entertaining game and, you know, hopefully people get their money's worth. But outside of that, I have no interest in this one. Moving on. Cleveland hosting the Bengals. Round two. Uh, Baker Mayfield's beef with Hugh Jackson. For those of you who don't recall, Hugh Jackson was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns earlier in this year. Hugh Jackson refused to put Baker Mayfield as the starting QB out of training camp. Baker Mayfield has held a blood grudge against Hugh Jackson ever since. uh, Almost refusing to shake hands with him after... The first game where the Browns blew out the Bengals, uh, you know, the Browns favored by seven and a half uh, originally for the, uh, the, the starting line for this game. It's jumped up to ten and a half. You know, folks are just looking at this game and I don't really blame them because I can't really find any redeemable qualities about the Bengals other than Joe Mixon playing as well as he has this year. But, you know, the, the case of... Uh, what's going on is the fact that you know we we've we just got too many issues with uh, with the Bengals I mean uh they've they're the most injured team in the league the defense is in shambles there's no discipline but again when you have that many injuries things like that tend to happen so Baker Mayfield should have a good day throwing the football he'll mean mug for the cameras you know he'll 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 probably talk some trash to the Bengals players. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, Cleveland, you know, they have an outside chance of making the playoffs if Baltimore keeps losing. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see anything redeeming about Cincinnati. Now, given the fact that they got embarrassed so badly the first time around, you know, they should put in a better effort, so it's not as lopsided. But, you know, I, I just I don't see any scenario where betting the Cleveland money line is going to hurt you in any way, shape, or form. I, I think if you bet the money line of Cleveland, you're fine here. Uh, the point spread, you know, being that it's double digits, that's a little bit concerning because there's always a chance that, you know, Cincinnati gets, like, a backdoor, uh, backdoor cover with a late touchdown and screws it up. But, you know, again, I, I just don't see uh, Cleveland having any issues beating a Bengals team that this uh, is this injured uh, with so many guys on IR. I, I, I just don't see it happening. And I would expect to see more fireworks between Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson just because Baker Mayfield just ha- seems to have a vendetta against Hugh Jackson. Uh, there's no way other, uh, There's no other way to slice it. Like, Baker Mayfield has, like, personal beef with Hugh Jackson that he won't elaborate on, and frankly, I don't really care enough to find out 
what the exact cause of, of the rift was to, to begin with. So, moving on. Uh, we got Dallas hosting Tampa Bay. This is a classic spot for the Cowboys to screw it up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it right here now. Like, the Cowboys can clinch the division. They're, they're heavily favored against Tampa. They're seven-and-a-half point favorites. This is a classic spot for the Cowboys to screw it up and for Tampa to have a cover where they probably still lose the game, but they only uh, they only lose by uh, three or four points. I, I just look at it as a case where, you know, I, I just think that Tampa has, there are ways for Tampa to put up 20-plus points, and I don't see where Dallas is scoring 30. So, again, by that math, there's a chance Tampa covers here, because Dallas can't put up enough points to cover. I, I don't see uh, Dallas's defense because Dallas's defense is really more predicated uh, to run stopping than uh, I think you could still throw on Dallas's secondary. So I think Mike Evans is in play this week. Uh, you know, again, uh, there there should be uh, enough options for Jameis Winston. Now, Jameis could easily screw this up as well because. Jameis Winston, again, makes some of the worst turnovers you will ever see in an NFL quarterback. You know, this season has all but confirmed that Jameis Winston is not a reliable NFL starting QB, but someone will give him a contract because they are desperate for quarterback arms, and, you know, they'll take whatever they can get from him. I, on the other hand, look at it and say you will never have an NFL quarterback who's going to be reliable enough to get you 11 to 12 wins a year. It's just not his makeup. He makes too many bad decisions. So I will take Tampa to cover. I will not be shocked if Dallas covers, but knowing the Cowboys, they will find a way, even though they got embarrassed last week by the Colts. I I still think that Dallas finds a way to screw up this cover uh, and only win by three or four points. So I'm taking Tampa to cover this game. Moving on. We got Detroit hosting the Vikings. You know, I keep looking at this and I keep wondering to myself, you know, at a certain point, this Vikings team has got to get it right. And, you know, folks were saying last week, you know, that they they got it figured out. They, get, they know what they're doing. Uh... You know, I would like to remind folks that Miami was packing for vacation already last week. So, I'm not going over uh, uh, what the, the, the game plan is here, other than saying that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this, uh, this uh, Vikings team is not nearly as good as it should be, you know, I think the Vikings cover this game just because Detroit, again, you got an injure, in, injury to uh, the defense. Uh, there, there's a chance that uh, Snacks Harrison doesn't play, which makes Dalvin Cook an automatic play in all DFS formats. Even if Snacks does play, I still think you can run on Detroit. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the Vikings bludgeoned the, the Lions, but, you know, I, I still haven't seen anything out of Kirk Cousins that gives me any sort of confidence that the Vikings are redeemable 
NFL caliber team to make the playoffs. Like Kirk Cousins is playing worse than Case Keenum last year, and Case Keenum is without question the epitome of an average NFL QB. There's nothing redeemable about Case Keenum, and yet still Kirk Cousins has found a way to go below that bar. So it, it's very disappointing for the Vikings as a whole. But like Kirk Cousins should be able to make certain plays, and I, I'm just not sold on him being able to do that against a good team. Uh, he, you know, jury's still out because Detroit certainly isn't a good team. Miami was on vacation last week. You know, the Vikings should win this one comfortably. I'll bet the Vikings just because, uh, you know, a five and a half, uh, spread for a road dog. Uh, yes, I know it's on the, devo- uh, on the road against the division rival, but Detroit, Detroit's not going to put up resistance. Kenny Galladay's the only option Detroit has. If uh, the Vikings defense does what I expect them to do, they're going to blink at Galladay. So even if you throw a bunch of targets at Galladay, uh, it ain't going to mean a whole lot because he, he, he's going to get no yards after catch. I, I just look at this as a case where uh, the Vikings should roll and just smash against a weakened uh, Lions team that's already uh, done for the year. Uh, moving on, Chicago traveling to San Francisco. Classic trap game. Uh, you know, I'm going to take Chicago just because the line uh, only favors Chicago favored by three and a half. If the line was higher and was asking for Chicago to cover uh, five points like, like it was earlier in the week, like I, I would I would definitely be afraid of betting Chicago. Um, you know, now with the line being at three and a half, I'm, I'm taking Chicago. Just because I'm not sure if San Francisco can break 10 points against the Bears' defense. Uh, my issue with the Bears has and always remains with uh, just their offense. Because Matt Nagy just does weird, you know, you know what, with the play calling. And, like, I, I don't I don't get the Bears' play calling. I think they get way too cute. I don't, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're in week 16 and I still don't know what the Bears' actual identity is on offense. I don't know if they're a run preference team. I don't know if they're a play action team. I really don't know because Matt Nagy keeps mixing it up. I guess that's his plan for the playoffs, just to make teams confused because, you know, the Bears give teams so many different looks. But, you know, when it comes to executing against the top teams, I I have legitimate concerns about the Bears' offense being able to put up 20 points against a good team with a good defense because again like the bears don't have any consistency because the game plan is wildly different week to week so i have concerns about the bears but i am going to take them to cover this game moving on we got arizona hosting the rams the rams desperately need to get themselves squared away my biggest concern is no todd Gurley is is a likely scenario because Todd Gurley with that knee injury sustained last week against the Eagles, you know, it'd be stupid for the Rams to play Todd Gurley. Really stupid. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I like Arizona here, but a 14 and a half point spread with the best running back in the league out of the game. Like, you know, the Rams called up CJ Anderson and, you know, if C.J. Anderson runs for two touchdowns and over 100 yards, you know what? I, I get beat. I, I see myself getting beat. 
But I just look at this as a game where, yeah, I'm going to play Jared Goff because I think Jared Goff gets me somewhere between 18 and 20 points in fantasy because I think the Rams are going to throw more. And because they're throwing more, I don't think they're as efficient offensively. I think they get to 24 points, but I do think that Arizona can get to 10 points. And, you know, again, like I said, it's a 14 and a half point spread. There's your difference here. Uh, I, I just look at it as a case where, you know, covering over 14 points uh, is a bit much for a Rams team that's got a huge injury to get over. So, yeah, the Rams win comfortably. I just don't think that they cover four, uh, 14 and a half points. I, I think that's a, a bit too big of a spread, so I'll, I'll take Arizona here. Now, Pittsburgh against New Orleans. Uh, I talked about this before. The issue here is the fact that if Baltimore somehow wins against the Chargers, and I say this again with Phillip Rivers in big games, it didn't happen against the Chiefs like I was expecting it to, but like Phillip Rivers can, uh, Phillip Rivers has shown in the past that he will turn up like just a pumpkin of a game. There, there's a there's a way for the Chargers to lose against Baltimore with Baltimore just controlling clock and Philip Rivers turned the football over. Uh, like, we've seen it happen. I mean, he almost did it against uh, the Chiefs. It's just that the Chiefs' defense was so bad that eventually Rivers figured it out. But, you know, there's a chance that if Baltimore somehow wins, Pittsburgh absolutely has to win this game. So, you know, if Baltimore wins, this, uh, wins against the Chargers... The pick is for the Steelers, uh, take the Steelers as the dog with the points at six and a half. If uh, the Chargers win Saturday night, uh, you know, uh, well, Saturday night meaning tonight, uh, you know, it's a case where I think New Orleans routes the Steelers because the Steelers will end up resting both Connor and Juju Smith-Schuster and, you know, they go after it, but they don't go crazy trying to win this game. Um, you know, it's it's just a case where uh, I I just don't I, don't... I don't see this as a case where, uh, you know, Pittsburgh goes all out if the division's not on the line. But if Baltimore somehow wins tonight against the Chargers, uh, for whatever reason, the Steelers have to go all out. So... I, I would take the uh, would take the Steelers as a dog, but you know if the division's not on the line here, then I'm okay with taking the Saints. Uh, you know, even though six and a half is a good uh, sizable spread against a good team in, in Pittsburgh, I, I just think that the Steelers uh, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense risking further injury to Connor and Juju Smith Schuster if the division's not on the line. So I just look at it as a case where. You know, it depends on how that Baltimore game goes. If it go if it goes against Pittsburgh, then they're gonna have to go all out, and then I'm gonna bet on Pittsburgh. But you know, it, it depends. It just depends on how things go. But uh, that that's the way I kind of feel about uh, the matchup. So that brings us to uh, tomorrow night's game between the Chiefs and the uh, the Seahawks. Uh, the Chiefs traveling to Seattle. Seattle is a two and a half point underdog. You know, 
there's a concerted effort by the media to like just downplay Patrick Mahomes as the uh, league MVP, but he's been the most consistent QB offensively. Like you could you could like uh, just like cherry pick and say that he doesn't win big matchups. You know, again, when you're going up against Brady, when you're going up against uh, uh, the likes of Breeze, like you know, sometimes like you're gonna lose those games. But I'm not. I'm not gonna go crazy over. uh, I'm not gonna go crazy over the Chiefs in some of the games that they've lost this year. My mistake. I I said Breeze. I was I was thinking Rivers. Uh, You know, some of these big games that the Chiefs have lost, like the like the Rams game. It's not because of Patrick Mahomes. It's because of the Chiefs' defense. Now, I can see Seattle winning this game. By running the football and Russell Wilson pulling off some great moves and stealing this game in the fourth quarter. That doesn't mean that uh, Pat Mahomes is not the league MVP. Like, people gotta, like, focus on, like, what the award is supposed to be. It's supposed to be rewarding uh, consistent excellence throughout the year. That's what Mahomes has done. He's been the most consistent QB out of all of them. If you want to make the MVP award awarded QBs, Mahomes is the guy. If you want to make it about individual performances like Aaron Donald, okay, you can give an MVP award to Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald. But like this whole narrative of trying to poo-poo on Patrick Mahomes by saying that he's not a uh, he's not a legitimate top tier quarterback until he wins a big game against another top five QB, it, it's ridiculous. It, you know, again. It's sustained excellence throughout the year. It's like, if you're going to make that case, then Matt Ryan should have never won the MVP award a couple of years back. Like, that's what that's what Patrick Mahomes has done. It, it's basically uh, 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 did what uh, Matt Ryan did and then took it to another level because he put up even better touchdown numbers. Like, it's not close uh, compared to some of these other performances that we've seen throughout the year. Like, Breeze doesn't have Mahomes numbers. Brady doesn't have Mahomes' numbers. Uh, you know, Russ, Russell Wilson, even though he's having a great year, you can make an MVP case for Russell Wilson, still doesn't have Mahomes' numbers. Andrew Luck doesn't have Mahomes' numbers. Like, you could run down the list. Patrick Mahomes has the best numbers out of every single QB. So, again, I, I got off on a little tangent here, but, you know, at the end of the day, whether or not the Chiefs win this game, it's not going to be because of Patrick Mahomes costing them. It's going to be because of something else. Like, Patrick Mahomes is the league MVP. Now, with that being said, like, with this point spread, it's a coin flip because I could see a scenario where Seattle wins this game, uh, like, with a field goal at the end, and I could see a case where Kansas City wins this at the end. It, it, it's really going to come down to who has the ball last, in my opinion, but I think Seattle is going to be able to control clock against Kansas City. I just think that, you know, tomorrow could be the night where Patrick Mahomes gets the moment where the ball's in his hands with a tied game and he gets to drive down the field and have a go-ahead score and we call it the books and, you know, we can put this uh, big game uh, losing streak nonsense to bed because, again, it's it's such a ridiculously small sample size. I don't even know how we got fixated on the point in the first place. So... Again, I think it's a coin flip game, but I I would say that uh, 
Kansas City uh, pulls it out, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle won the game. And then, now, finally, the Monday Night Football game that, you know, I'm going to spend as little time talking about as humanly possible. You got the Broncos going to Oakland. Vance Joseph, the coach of the Broncos, getting fired. Uh, it's like, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, the, the Broncos are two and a half point favorites uh, on the road, but you know, the season was decided for Vance Joseph last week, uh, when inexplicably he decided to kick the field goal down four points with under five minutes left to go in the game on a fourth and one playing a Cleveland Browns team at home. They're at home in mile high. The Browns are not good stopping the run. You have Philip Lindsay. Lindsay, Run the ball on fourth and one. Like, no one understood the decision. Like, Vance Joseph tried to justify it, saying that, you know, he thought the defense could get the stop uh, after kicking the field goal. But there's so little time left on the clock that why would you risk the defense giving up a first down and then you have no option of really stopping the clock other than taking a bunch of timeouts. The, the Browns uh, never gave up the ball after that. And like, it, it was such a shocking decision. And, you know, in terms of just logic, you know, the analytics folks ate it up because they, they went and were like, yeah, see, we, we, uh, we told you. The analytics tells you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Basic common sense tells you that you got to go for it there. Like, you know the weaknesses of the other squad is plays into one of the strengths of your team. That's why the, the play made absolutely zero sense. But you got you got you got the Denver side of things. But then you got the the, the carnival act that is the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden. Like this could be the end of the Raiders in Oakland because again, the city of Oakland is basically giving the Raiders the boot. Like they're trying to kick the Raiders out. Uh, there's a story out that the Raiders, because of Oakland kicking them out of uh, their stadium, I mean, they were supposed to play next year, but Oakland is so fed up with what the Raiders did this year, the city's just kicking them out. But there's a there's a chance that uh, the Raiders end up playing at PNC Ballpark in San Francisco next year, which <laughs> is, like, comical. Because the Raiders would literally be closer to most San Francisco residents than the actual San Francisco 49ers in their new stadium at Levi Stadium. It, it would be the height of comedy uh, just having three teams it, it, uh, like in the general vicinity of each other in one specific area in California. Because that uh, San Francisco uh, compared to uh, Los Angeles is not that far off. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a narrative for this game. I'll, I'll probably do, uh, another episode, uh, on Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, just to recap the games that happened, uh, and maybe do a showdown slate for that one game. Cause it's the only sporting event of the night. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I really don't have anything nice to say. I, I've already said too much about this one. Um, you, you could, you can flip a coin. I mean, both teams are probably going to pack it in. Um, maybe the Raiders show up for once for the fans, which would be nice. But I wouldn't expect much. Uh, realistically, uh, I'll 
I guess I'll take the Raiders just because, but it ain't because of John Gruden. I know that much, but um, uh, just fraudulent what's happened to the Raiders this year. It's downright criminal even, but um, yeah, that so that does it for the, he gets the spread picks uh, from a DFS slate purpose. Uh, he, here's the way I'm kind of looking at it from um, uh, my standpoint, because uh, again, I, I, I mentioned this before. I don't like Saquon Barkley this week against the Colts. I think the Colts run defense uh, is capable of shutting down Barkley. I would rather uh, pay a little bit more for Ezekiel Elliott or Christian McCaffrey than pay for Saquon this week. Uh, another running back I would pay for would be Nick Chubb. Like I said, you know, unless Baker Mayfield insists on throwing all the touchdowns against the Bengals, I think Nick Chubb has more than enough opportunities to just gash the the Bengals and just uh, rack up a couple of touchdowns. So I I think that this is a a very winnable slate for Nick Chubb uh, from a fantasy perspective. Another guy is Marlon Mack. I mean, we saw this Giants team get absolutely gashed by Derrick Henry. Marlon Mack's a better running back than Derrick Henry. Um, I just don't see much from the Giants as a whole. So uh, I I do think that uh, Marlon Mack is uh, a play here. Uh, Going over to the wide receivers, I like Devontae Adams against the Jets. I, I think that's a good matchup. Another matchup I like is Alshon Jeffrey against the Texans, not because Alshon Jeffrey is now all of a sudden rediscovering Fountain Youth is great. It's just because Nick Foles has tunnel vision for Alshon Jeffrey and basically throws to him other than uh, uh, Zach Ertz. So uh, I'm more on Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I'm off with Zach Ertz this week from the tight end perspective uh, just because it just seems as though Foles has tunnel vision and just looks for Jeffrey over everyone else on that Eagles offensive squad. So uh, I like Alshon Jeffrey. And then the other option will be Julian Edelman. I mean, Josh Gordon's out of the picture. I mean, Brady's got to have someone to throw to. Gronk's really just a shell of himself at this point. So Edelman's the guy. So you need a wide receiver one. I would say that guy is Edelman. So uh, I like Edelman uh, from a DFS perspective and regular fantasy. I think Edelman... Uh, definitely is in play here. And, um, you know, guys that I would uh, be uh, very fearful of is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, you know, got injured uh, injured groin. Uh, again, like I said, if the, the Ravens win tonight, then Schuster uh, is probably going to play. But if the Ravens lose tonight, it, realistically, the, the Steelers don't have an incentive to play Juju. So, uh, you know, you, you got to have backup options in place. So, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say it, you like, you may need to grab a Robbie Anderson off of waivers. I mean, y- y- you know, I, I don't like suggesting that, but, you know, when it comes down to it, like, the the Jets should have a good day throwing the football against a very, very porous Packers secondary. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Now, from a tight end perspective, it's been an absolute crapshoot all year. So, you know, again, I told you I'm off Ertz this week. Uh, I'm not a big, uh, not as big on Kelsey just because I think uh, with Seattle, you, you've got Bobby Wagner in the mix. 
uh, you know, you got very athletic linebackers that can match up with uh, Travis Kelsey. So I'm not big on Kelsey. So I'm I'm looking at the likes of Chris Herndon on the Jets and Evan Ingram on the Giants. Um, you know, I'm not expecting that much from tight ends. So uh, don't crush me if they're not breaking past 10 points. But, you know, uh, on the tight end side of things, I'm, I'm not going crazy over tight end this week. And then, you know, from a defense standpoint, uh, you know, I think the the Cowboys have a chance of being a decent option at defense just because, you know, Jameis Winston, I talked about it before, makes some of the worst decisions you can ever make as an NFL QB. You know, there's always a chance for a defensive touchdown when Jameis is in the mix. And then uh, you got the Browns playing a hapless Bengals team. Uh, definitely opportunities for the uh, for the Browns to uh, make some plays on defense. So you never know. So with that being said, I'm going to wish everyone listening the best of luck for your fantasy football finals. I got a couple of finals myself. We'll see how things go. We'll go over what happened. Uh, hopefully Christmas Eve. Uh, maybe talk a little uh, matchup for the showdown slate on this Denver uh, Denver-Oakland matchup just because there's not much else in the realm of sports to talk about uh, uh, on Christmas Eve uh, because uh, the NBA is all Christmas Day. So I'll try to get uh, a Christmas Eve show up and maybe, uh, you know, maybe Christmas Day I'll pr- try to put something together just because the NBA lineups are always so fickle. I'd I- I be hesitant to uh, do a lineup preview show on Christmas Eve for the NBA when easily the uh, the lineups could change on a dime in the NBA. So uh, stay tuned. We'll see how things go. And best of luck uh, with everything that's going on this weekend, folks, for the NFL. So uh, until next time, have a good one. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.